0: Welcome to Unleash Your Retirement with David Corin from RVA Wealth Management. Our podcast is all about providing anyone considering retirement with the confidence they need to pursue their dreams in this new phase of life. We cover a wide range of topics from retirement planning to investing with purpose, all while making you laugh and keeping things lighthearted. With David's years of experience and guest industry leaders to help guide us, you'll walk away feeling informed, empowered, and ready to take on your future with confidence. So sit back, relax, and get ready to join us on this journey to a new life.
1: Hello, and welcome to Unleash Your Retirement with your host, David Corrin. I'm Wendy McConnell. Hi, David. How you feeling?
2: Fantastic. A little chilly this morning, but, but otherwise pretty fantastic. It's a great day to be alive and to be here and uh, be a part of RVA Wealth Management uh, and Unleash Your Retirement all right sounding
1: good sounding good it's like you know you're like all right it's all good i'm all here just a little cold but that's okay (laughs) yeah so we have a guest today right david
3: yes
2: we do caleb vaughn is joining us today caleb has been uh, a part of our team here and a partner here for some time uh what five years now we love working with caleb um and he has great insight into things like risk mitigation uh in retirement uh and prior to retirement so That's why I've invited him to be a part of our podcast
3: here today. Well, thank you for the generous introduction and thank you for having me on the show.
1: Happy for you to be here. So what is it exactly we're going to be talking about today?
2: Well, you know, we're talking, when I say risk mitigation, I am talking about the scary word
1: insurance.
2: No, Uh, do I have to have insurance in retirement still? (laughs) Oh, oh, no. (laughs) Unfortunately, yes, it is a way to take a few dollars and cover the potential of a big risk, a big cost that could blow up your financial plan. That's really what we're talking about here. Having insurance that will make sure that your plan, your financial plan will work no matter what happens. You know, those scary things that, you know, you hope they never happen. So these are things you're betting do not happen. But, hey, they can happen. We're talking about things like, you know, disability income, uh, well, disability, becoming disabled you know, if, due to an illness or an accident. Unfortunately, passing away prematurely prior to retirement. Hey, that's life insurance. What about, you know, a major health care issue? We're talking about health insurance there. Um, what about, uh, what, you know, do I have health insurance coverage when I'm retired? That would be Medicare. You know, what about uh, something like long-term care, which is not covered, by the way, by Medicare? Is that something I need to be concerned about? And then, obviously, things that you're going to need both before and when you possibly, when you retire, property and casualty coverage. Uh, You definitely need to have uh, homeowners, your car covered, uh, and an umbrella policy even into retirement. So these are the types of things we talk about when we talk about risk mitigation or insurance products that should be considered to make sure your financial plan works for you. Just to, just to give you an idea, for, we'll talk about disability coverage first. So, you know, if you've got a few years before you retire and we are dependent on your income to have your retirement plan work for you. So we're, that's what we do. We're gauging that. We're expecting that income to come in. If something happens, you know, an illness or an injury that causes you to be unable to work, What's going to happen to your financial plan? Now, social security, workers' comp, you know, if that's part of it, you may get a little bit of money there, but it's not much. It's only a fraction, uh, maybe not even 20%, 25% of your previous salary. So how do you make up that gap? And when the way you do that is by making sure you have good disability income insurance available to you <clears throat> because you can't um, replace that income elsewhere. Right, Caleb? That's right. So you're looking at having a way to cover that. Now, when, what we usually recommend for most people is to look to your group plan at work to get your long-term disability. Now, individual disability policies are available, but they be, can be quite expensive, but they are available. And, and certainly uh, for professionals with many years left to work, it's something they really must carry and have in place. Uh, But if you're a business, you may have a group plan and you can buy group disability income insurance at work. And we're talking long-term disability, not short-term. Most companies have in their plan, short-term disability is something that they just provide to you. So if you're out for six months, they're going to help you through that time period. But past that, Nothing. And then you have to go through the process of trying to get this disability coverage with the Social Security program. But if you've got a good insurance product at work, that can help cover that gap for you and get you up to at least maybe 60 or 70 percent of your salary prior to uh, you becoming disabled. And that should help your plan work. You know, if you've got that and we can build it into the plan, uh, it really does help the plan going forward. Now, another thing that people uh, need to remember is prior to them retiring, if your income is a big part and dependent, really driving what your plan is going to be, just like disability, what happens if you just, unfortunately, something happens, car accident, health issue, and you pass away early, prematurely? Well, if you're married, your spouse will not their plan will have to be adjusted because we were counting on that income. So what do you do about that? Well, obviously life insurance, that's why people buy life insurance. It's income replacement. Uh, And depending on how many years you are from retirement, uh, you need to be looking at say, and I always say, if you've got 10 years to retirement, you probably need 10 times your salary in life insurance protection at a minimum to take care of your spouse. That makes um, sense. And if and if you're further away and if you've got kids to be concerned with college and things like that, then you need even more coverage.
1: Can I ask a question? Um, When you put it that way, it seems like the insurance policies, the amounts that they give are pretty low <laughs> you move to what we're making in salary these days. Do you know what I mean? Like, so you
2: know what you mean? I mean, you, but that's because people just can't think, well, I don't want to buy a million dollar policy or a one and a half million or two million off, but that in many cases is what you need to buy right. and go buy inexpensive term coverage, you know, a 10 year level term or 20 year level term, very inexpensively you'd be surprised people don't realize it's not that expensive and you provide yourself with that needed protection. And that's really a critical part of making sure that you have thought of everything relative to your financial plan heading into retirement.
3: Yeah. Those employer policies tend to only be one or two times salary um, often. So that's not going to cover 10, 15, 20 years of remaining work Work life. So, if you've only got one or two times through your employer, uh, you probably need some supplemental coverage.
2: Absolutely, there's no way around it. Um, and it is something that a lot of people overlook. Is there? Ah, I'm not going to die. Well, hope you don't. And we certainly. But your 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 if it does something does happen, your spouse is going to be cursing you because you didn't take care of them. You yeah. Know? Their income. You know, they they're going to have to pay the price and make the adjustments So better have taken care of that issue ahead of time uh, so that if something does happen uh, your spouse is going to be taken care of and their their retirement plan remains
3: intact and you can um, schedule the annual premium around your your spouse's birthday so every year on their birthday you can congratulate them that you've, you've paid another year of insurance premiums
2: yep That's a good way to think about it. I thought about that. I like that.
1: I think that was Caleb's attempt at a joke, right? Yes. that Very straight face, Caleb joke. (laughs) I'm like, he's joking, right?
2: (laughs) So the other thing that people really need to think about too is health insurance. So One of the things that I mentioned, always tell people, hey, look, the number one cause of bankruptcy in in the United States today is unpaid medical bills. And how does that happen? You know, well, obviously some people just choose to go without coverage, but most people are insured through their employer. So they've got health insurance coverage. So they're thinking, okay, that's great. Hey, but what if I retire at 62 or 63? Can I just sort of go without for a couple of years or a year or so, or maybe six months before I'm eligible for Medicare. And I say, no, (laughs) Uh, do not take that risk. It is just not worth it because let's face it. You could be looking at, go in for, you have a heart attack and you have to have some sort of heart. You may be looking at a hundred thousand dollars plus bill from the hospital. It's going to kill your financial plan really will. It may wipe out a big chunk of your savings too. Uh, Not something you want to be thinking about doing. You want to make sure that you have adequate coverage and due to the Affordable Care Act, you can, there's guaranteed coverage out there. If your income's low enough, you could actually qualify for some pretty deep discounts to that coverage. But if your income is significant, which a lot of people are, it's not cheap, but you can, you can swing it. It may be, $1,000 $1,000 a month, but hey, guess what? That's actually what health insurance costs. That's what your employer's paying, $1,000 a month for health insurance on average. That's what they're looking at. So don't be surprised by the cost, but know that it's important. Again, you're just shifting that risk. You know, you're know, you paying $12,000 a year to make sure you don't have a hundred dollars or $200,000 bill. And that's what you're trying to protect against. And then you'll make it to Medicare eventually. Health insurance is one thing that you really cannot afford to go without, and until you become eligible for Medicare. So let's talk about Medicare. A bit. It's, uh, that's the, the government provided program, right? How much does that thing cost, Caleb?
3: I'm trying to remember. the The base rate for Medicare coverage is in the 180 range. It goes up a little bit each year. Uh, <laughs> and then depending on which supplement you get, it can be either $0 in addition to that, or all the way up to a few hundred dollars per month. A couple hundred a month. Yeah. For the supplemental coverages.
2: Yep. Uh, And there's two types of plans out there for, well, actually three. Uh, There's Medicare part A, which is hospital coverage. There's Medicare part B, uh, which is outpatient coverage, doctor's office visits, you know, outpatient testing, that kind of thing, lab work, that kind of stuff. And then there's Medicare Part D, which is prescription drug plans. Uh, now they talk about Medicare Part C, which is Medicare Advantage plans, but that's a whole different animal. That's not like a, actually, you're not even on Medicare when you're on Medicare Plan C. Uh, that's when you go to an insurance company and you offload the cost to the insurance company and let the government pay the insurance company on your behalf, and then you join their network, right? I'm not a big fan of those types of policies because quite honestly, a Medicare Part C plan, um, it's like getting on a bus uh, with a bunch of people uh, and you're in this HMO, usually it's an HMO network that's very limited. And if you, and it may be inexpensive. By the way, Medicare Advantage plans do tend to be less expensive than going out and buying a Medicare supplement. Um, but again, you're on the bus, and if something happens, you've got these big copays that you'll have to come up with. And if, and what you'll discover very quickly is that if you do have problems, health problems, your out of pocket gets very high very quickly. And so you're going to want to say, well, I want to switch back to having a Medicare supplement and being on regular Medicare. Well, guess what? Once you're on that bus, you can't get off because you'll have to be medically underwritten to get a Medicare supplement plan at that point, and you would only qualify for a Plan A or a Plan B, which has very limited coverage. So you're you're you have to stay on the Medicare Advantage plans that you're on, and that, that you can switch plans. Yes, you can change seats on the bus. But you're once you do that, you're on the bus and you really don't have a choice. Whereas if you're with a Medicare, if you go with a Medicare supplement with Medicare, then you have complete latitude. You're, you're covered in a way that you'd be surprised. Very good coverage. And you can go to virtually any hospital anywhere that accepts Medicare. Uh, so you have a lot of, uh, of variability. Like I, I know my mom went to the Cleveland Clinic for tra- treatment one time and her Medicare covered her. You know, if that had been a Medicare Advantage plan, she would not have had that option because that would have been an out-of-network event. You follow? So sort of like today, you know, a lot of people understand I'm in network or out-of-network. With Medicare Advantage plans, uh, you have to uh, stay in the network to have coverage. If you go out of the network, it's very limited uh, in terms of what benefits you might get. So I do recommend for most clients to get a Medicare, you know, be on Medicare Part A and B, Get a Medicare supplement, probably a Plan G or something along those lines, uh, and then a plan, good Plan D. And a lot of times, depending on if you're working with a professional, they'll ask you what kind of drugs you're using currently, and they can advise you as to which is the best Medicare plan, uh, Plan D prescription plan for you out there.
1: So we need four plans.
2: Is <laughs> what you're saying? Actually, no. It's it's really you. Really, you your choice is to stay on Medicare, which is you're going to have A and B. And get a supplement okay, or go to and and get a plan D. So you do have two plans, two health plans and or stay, go through a Medicare Advantage plan, which sort of covers everything. But then you're in network. Right. So those are your two choices.
3: And the HMO programs, you know, because you have that Medicare Advantage cost is basically zero, tend to seem cheaper up front. It's just if you end up needing to use it, it's more expensive to use the insurance coverage and to go see a doctor. It's also more restrictive.
2: Right. And so, you can't switch back to Medicare once you have health issues, to a Medicare supplement once you have health issues. Yeah. That's the big concern with that. Now, one thing we didn't mention was cost, too, on the Medicare Part B premium, because we have to do a lot of planning for clients that are telling Medicare. And if you make too much money, they will charge you more for Medicare Part B. So it's around one hundred and ninety dollars a month is the current premium, but if you make a lot of money, you could be looking at five six hundred dollars a month for Medicare Part B premiums. So you have to be really careful. So we do a lot of planning around that to make sure we don't bump up against one of the IRMA numbers. They call it that's the acronym for uh, what is the what is the acronym stands for? It's,
3: it's IRMAA is stands for Income Related Monthly Adjustment Amount. Yeah. Uh, we don't want to meet Irma if we can avoid it. It does increase your Medicare premiums for part B and for the drug coverages. Yes. And it can be for a single person, it can be you know $1,000 or more a year for each tranche that you move up. And for, for couples, it can be multiple thousands of dollars for each tranche. Yes. Yeah, so you have to do,
2: be very careful about that. So a lot of times people don't think about, uh, and they look back two years, by the way. So a lot of times when you retire, you know your income's changed, but they're looking at your income from two years ago, and so they're going to want to charge you more. So you actually have to go file with Medicare to try and get that reduced.
3: Yeah, there's a, there's a form. Um, we've had some clients have some success filing that form. You just have to control your income and keep it below the thresholds the year that you file that request to have the lower Medicare premium amounts and make sure you stay under those limits that you said you were going to stay under.
2: But um, I do want to say once you do, if you do have a, if you're on Medicare and you've got a good supplement and a plan D, that's excellent coverage. I mean, it really is. Uh, Except for one area, Medicare only covers, uh, only covers skilled nursing care for a limited period of time. That would be if you injured yourself and you needed rehab and they would take you to a facility for a while Uh, That's skilled care, but Medicare only covers that for a few weeks. And then you're sort of, on your own, because if you can't perform some of the activities of daily living, like you can't move around, you can't bathe yourself, you can't take your medicine, feed yourself, what have you, then those things are not covered by Medicare because they're just considered you got to be taken care of. That is called long-term care. Um, And Medicare is not going to cover it. Now, Medicaid will, but you have to qualify for Medicaid and basically you have to be penniless in order to qualify for Medicaid. And quite honestly, I would not want to go to a Medicaid owned facility. Uh, not the best place to end up. So you want to try to avoid that route at all possible. So uh, your other option on long-term care then becomes, well, do I insure for this risk? And what are we talking about? I mean, right now you're looking at assisted living cost anywhere from 4,000 to $7,000 a month. It could be higher
3: um, for for memory care. Um, yeah, memory when full time support, it's it can be even significantly higher. Yes, yeah, so if you're possible. if
2: you're talking full time, you know, like you said, many memory care, you're you're maybe talking ten thousand dollars a month or more, mm-hmm. ten twelve thousand dollars a month. So it can get very expensive and and wipe out uh, assets in a hurry uh, for clients. So <clears throat> it's something to look at and consider. Memory care, especially, we're talking you know, Alzheimer's, dementia. Those are the real scary ones. If you've got that history in your family, uh, that is really something you need to address because you could be looking at a longer term stay in a nursing home. The average stay in a nursing home is only about two and a half years. Uh, the, the sort of the, the normal stay in a nursing home, if you look at the, at the mean, is really more like six months. And by the way, most long-term care plans have a six month waiting period for that reason <laughs> because most people don't last six months in a nursing home. you know that they go in and they unfortunately pass away pretty quickly. And by the way, one thing that to consider too is um, when you look at the plant things that Medicare does coverage, it does cover hospice. So hospice is where people are just helping you feel comfortable knowing that you're probably going to die unfortunately. Um, And believe me, hospice people do a fantastic job. I've dealt with them now several times in my own family and familiar with clients that have had to do the same, Uh, but that is covered by Medicare. So that is not something to be that concerned about. If you reach that point and you need help, but for long-term care where, you know, the person um, maybe says a slight dementia, slight memory loss, but they can't be counted on to take their medicine regularly. Uh, they're not feeding themselves properly. Those are the kind of situation where you need sort of assisted living care. Uh, and those can be a long period of time, but assisted living, again, is four or five, $6,000 a month. Or home care, uh, which is a similar type price. So assisted living and, and having home care run similarly. The disadvantage of home care is that you're not gonna have somebody be there 24 seven. It's really just somebody coming and checking and making sure they take their medicine, they eat their meals, that kind of thing, uh, which can work in a lot of situations. But uh, for situations where you need really twenty four seven type care for concerns for people, uh, you are going to need a nursing home type facility for that. And the question is, do you buy insurance for
3: that or not, Caleb? the The challenge with answering that question is if you have significant family history of like you said, Alzheimer's, um, other memory issues, it is very difficult to get underwritten on these policies uh, at all. And if you do get underwritten, it's probably at a higher than standard rate. Right. And so they, they make sense to protect the risk. They make sense as a, uh, especially a wealth transfer protection vehicle, where you want to make sure that, that your uh, assets are left behind for your beneficiaries uh, a long-term care policy can come in and make sure that those assets don't get drained more than they need to by a long-term care scenario, uh, but the the pricing of these has really shifted in a way that that makes, while you still need the coverage if if you don't have other options, uh, the people who can afford the policies generally can afford to self-insure, and the people who really could benefit from the policies are often priced out of them. It's become a difficult market. Um, uh, we're, we're seeing some, some opportunities in the hybrid space where maybe you buy a, a life insurance policy that pays out in a similar, they're not technically long-term care policies, but they pay out in a similar manner. You just get the death benefit early.
2: Or two times the death benefit usually. Yeah. Um, uh,
3: if, if you need it for long-term care type of expenses, Long-term care insurance itself, hopefully the pricing starts to get better, uh, but it's it's become a real challenge for for us and for clients trying to find a solution that from an insurance standpoint looks better than uh, than just self-insuring. And so for a lot of people, self-insuring has been the option, especially if they have the resources to cover that expense, just understanding that if they have a long-term care need, there's not going to be as much left over
2: for the beneficiaries right that's really the thing it's that's it's it's you buy if you were to buy coverage it's really just to protect assets for the next generation in most cases you're likely not going to run out of money and even the policies that you can get you're only talking about three or four years usually in coverage anyway
3: yep.
2: they don't go much beyond that so if you have a really long-term stay you're going you are going to need to tap into your own resources and make sure you get that covered now let me just say this because it's a lot of people don't think this through because, Oh, it's a risk. It's awful. It's expensive. Yes. But what we normally see is that in a married couple situation, we have one spouse becomes ill or something and they're taking care of at home. The one other spouse does that with the help of home health care, that past spouse passes away. And then there's the remain, the the surviving spouse, who may need now that they're getting older and that was a rough time with their, with their spouse. Now they may need to go in for assisted living care themselves or feel like they need that because they're alone. Well, normally what they do is they sell their home. So that's an asset that they now bring in that they've got available to them. Uh, They use that to help fund and pay for the cost of being in an assisted facility. And keep in mind, when you're in an assisted facility, you're not having to pay for your meals uh, your, uh, all your other expenses are virtually gone because you've sold your house. And so you really, your overhead really is the five or $6,000 a month that you're paying to be there. Uh, and your income hasn't stopped or changed at all. So if you had a pension, social security, it's still coming in. Plus you still have your investments to work with. And if you sold your house, you've got those assets too, to work with. So many people, what we have seen really can manage through a long-term care issue, uh, simply by self-insuring for that risk.
3: So so to David's point, while the cost may be, let's call it $7,000 a month, that's not all additional costs on top of what you're currently spending because you're going to reduce in other areas. Uh, there may be a case for long-term care insurance in, in anybody's particular plan. It's going to depend on you know, how how qualified they can get what their underwriting looks like and their family history. But at the same time, long-term care insurance isn't the only way to pay for long-term care needs. And again, given given the way the contracts have been restructured over about the last decade, it's become a harder sell. Yes. And if you, you know, the,
2: the one thing that I have seen is that the group policies, if you know you got this risk, you might want to look at a group policy at work. Uh, because those tend to hold their costs down longer, but they're still going to be expensive. So keep that in mind. If you, But if you do have the risk, it's something to think about. Now, one thing we haven't talked about uh, that you need to have in retirement is homeowners insurance, car insurance, and an umbrella policy. Why do,
3: why do people need an umbrella
2: policy, Caleb?
3: Because your homeowners insurance and your car insurance or your boat insurance aren't going to cover you if you get sued for more than your policy limit. And so if you have somebody get injured on your property, if you get in a car accident and they decide that uh, that you're at fault and you've injured somebody, they can come after not just your current assets, but also your future income. And if you're a high earner or you have significant assets, especially outside of in the state of Virginia, your retirement assets are protected from creditors, but everything else is fair game. And that includes your future income. So they can come after you and uh, and it could be a significant bill to pay. The umbrella policy extends the liability coverage of your property and casualty insurance. And so you can get an umbrella policy for a million, $2 million. Uh, it's only going to cost you a few hundred dollars a year, which is, you know, it, relative to the potential benefit is significant. It's very, very efficient insurance. And it's, uh, in most cases, worth paying for.
2: And we live in a litigious society. And if somebody gets injured, if they can find somebody with a deep pocket, they're going to go after them. Mm -hmm. It it is a risk that we all have. And so having that umbrella policy is very important to protect those assets that could come under scrutiny from a, what do you want to call it? Good, I I wanted to say a, a, a really good litigation attorney who's trying to find dollars Mm -hmm. uh, and we know they do because they wouldn't be advertising so much right they're out there all the time
1: (laughs) they are you are correct
2: Um, one last thing to mention is life insurance and retirement hey if you're not working and you don't have
3: income to replace why would you need life insurance and retirement well you may have a state tax although in this current environment that's that's a a higher threshold but it is set to get cut back in 2026, and you know the the future of, of uh, legislation is unknown. So they could always cut back on that estate uh, exemption limit, which is currently $12 million a person, uh, twice that for couples, again, scheduled to get cut in half in 2026. And who knows what the future may hold, but it certainly seems like the fed, federal government's going to have to find some money yeah. somewhere, given our fiscal state. Uh, and, and the the fact that we have high interest rates and uh, unprecedented debt levels, we're going to have to go somewhere for money. It wouldn't surprise anybody to see the estate tax exemption come down significantly. Yes.
2: Yeah, so the government can say, hey, you didn't inherit that. We get it.
3: <laughs> uh, <laughs>
2: and that could happen. And that's what uh, life insurance could help protect against. If we do get in that situation, we can have set up an irrevocable life insurance trust that would pay those taxes for you for the heirs. And basically the person that pay, you gift the money to the trust and it's basically the, the trust paying the the premium on those, on that usually survivorship life, because you don't have to pay the estate taxes until the second death usually. Um, but it is something to look at. It is something to consider the other place that you might want to consider life insurance, um, would be if you wanted to equalize your estate in some reason, say, let's say, Hey, you know, you've got this house, uh, you've got two kids, uh, Johnny doesn't want the house, but Susie does. Okay. So how do you equalize that? You know, okay, well, I'll leave the house to Susie, but I have a life insurance policy that takes care of Johnny basically pays him the equivalent of the value of the house or something like that. That would be another reason to maybe carry life insurance, but in general, it is income life insurance is income replacement. So really you don't need it unless you have a special circumstance in retirement. So we really discourage people from carrying life insurance into retirement Uh, unless they really have one of those issues that they're having to address.
1: Okay. Well, David, if somebody has more questions about what, what you've been talking about all this time, how can they get in touch?
2: Hey, reach out to me. You can call me directly. 804-622-1722 is my direct line. And I will talk to you, uh, or you can reach, go on our website, rvawealthmanagement.com. I have a 20 minute ask anything uh, uh, option on my website that you can go in and just click that and you could come in and just ask anything and it's totally free. You just have to
1: schedule the time. All right. Well, thank you both. And thank you for listening today. Please like follow and share this podcast with your friends until next time. I'm Wendy McConnell.
0: Thank you for listening to the Unleash Your Retirement podcast. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit our website at www.rvawealthmanagement.com or give us a call at 804-497-2100. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of RVA Wealth Management. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.
4: Content here is for illustrative purposes and general information only. It is not legal tax or individualized financial advice, nor is it a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold any specific security or engage in any specific trading strategy. Results will vary. Past performance is no indication of future results or success. Market conditions change continuously. This commentary reflects the personal opinions, viewpoints, and analysis of RVA Wealth Management. It does not necessarily represent those of RFG Advisory, private client services, their clients, or their employees. This commentary should not be regarded as a description of advisory services provided by RVA Wealth Management or RFG Advisory or performance returns of any client. The views reflected in the commentary are subject to change at any time without notice. Securities offered by registered representatives of private client services member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered by investment advisory representatives of RFG Advisory, a registered investment advisor. Private client services, RVA Wealth Management and RFG Advisory are unaffiliated entities